0: And ultimately, your life. This week's song, Soul on Fire by Third Day, comes from their newest album, Lead Us Back. The band describes the purpose behind the album when they talked to CCM Magazine, saying, Lead Us Back is a call to worship, not just for our audience, but for the band as well. And when they were asked why now, they said, Well, we're ready for these songs. We're ready to feel God's Spirit fall afresh on all of us again we have a twofold hope in sharing them first that this music will help lead us as a group back to our original fire and desire to worship and second that it will do the same for our fans who are on the spiritual journey as well i love that the band is leading out and wanting to come from this genuine place of worship themselves you know i've been in services and concerts where i had a had a feeling that those leading in worship We're not really coming from that grounded and genuine place of worship themselves. And I think that God can use anything and anyone to accomplish his purposes. I do think he genuinely wants us to lead by example. It's not 100% necessary, I guess, but I think it's pretty neat that while the band is calling us to run to the heart of God, that they are on the same journey with us. So on what is the heart of God? Well, I hesitate to try to define it in this 20-minute podcast because God is infinite, and so I really think it's naive to even try to define it. But a direction I think that we can go that will really place our feet and the question on the right path is, uh, something that I saw this week as I was kind of reading in the, in the gospels and in the gospels, Jesus teaches us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so some translations say the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And he is referring to men. Jesus is referring to men when he teaches it, but he does say the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And that's Luke six forty-five. So if man's words come from the overflow of his heart and we are made in God's image, I think it makes sense that God's words come out of the overflow of his heart. And if man's words tell us what kind of man he is, then God's words will tell us what kind of God he is. And God's words will tell us. What is important to him? God's word reflects his heart. So if we sing along with third day in our desire to run toward the heart of God, then I really don't think it's that big of a leap to say that we should be running to his word. Now, I can't emphasize this enough. If you are seeking God's will, if you're seeking his direction, if you're seeking his face, if you're seeking his hand, you cannot do it without diving into his word. I had a precious opportunity to pray with a lady this week, and um, I loved her heart. She she asked me to pray with her, and it, it's a bold request, I think, that, that we should really make of each other more often. Now, she did not ask me to pray for her, like by myself at some future time, but with her. And although it's not the first time I had met her, we really don't know each other well enough to call each other friends, uh, although uh, we're bonded together as sisters in Christ, and so I think that's important. She had many needs, but her primary request was direction from the Lord. And she was seeking wisdom. And God promises that he will give us wisdom if we ask for it. And he won't rebuke us for asking. So I prayed and I cried out on her behalf. And I lifted her up to the Father who who loves her with an everlasting love. And when I ended my prayer, I asked her if she reads her Bible. And then came the long pause, the shoulder shrug. And the reasons why she was not. She's in school. She has three kids. Is a single mom. And it really truly is a desperate situation. But she added that. uh, In addition to that though. She added that she's actually tried in the past. But really gets distracted. And so then I followed up with this question. I asked her what version she was reading. And she said the King James Version. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the King James Version. It holds a very special place in my heart. That's the version I grew up studying and memorizing as a youth. But I also remember how confusing it was. I was a part of a program growing up as a teenager called Bible Quiz at church where we memorized whole books of the Bible and then participated in competition over it. So if you if you chose not to go the memorization route and you just chose to have good familiarity with the material, you read over it regularly, you would be able to answer some of the questions some of the time. And if you really studied the material, you could, with confidence, answer more of the time. But if you memorized the material word for word, then you could have great success and compete against the best of the best. And part of that is because you could anticipate that you knew that you knew the answer, so you could kind of buzz in quicker and things like that. So one year, uh, I memorized it. Now I want to tell you, I again. So I, I participated in Bible quiz for several years, but this particular year, I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna memorize. And I wish I could say that I did this because I was pure and I loved Jesus so much that I just couldn't wait to hide His word in my heart. I wish I could say that, but I can't. You know, I I really decided to memorize that year because I wanted to beat my friend Brian. (laughs) Now, I really didn't think I could beat my friend Brian because he was pretty amazing. But of course, I never told him that. So I embarked on memorizing the books assigned to that season in the King James. Now, I remember learning the words and repeating them over and over again But I would have to go to class on Wednesday night so that a Bible teacher could really explain what I was memorizing. And I'm so thankful that they made the explanation as part of the process to be in Bible quiz because I would get really lost in those these and thous. I really completely understand what this lady that I prayed with was saying. It's easy to get distracted because that's really... Not the way we talk these days. And so uh, the thing is, is, that we live in 2015 and the King James was written in 1611. And, you know, it's a translation of the Bible that um, translated the words out of the Hebrew and Greek and translated them into English in the way that they spoke in the 1600s in the King's English. So we, and not even in the common person's English in the sixteen hundred in the king's English. And we don't speak that way. I'm not sure the common person in the 1600s even spoke that way. But there are words in the King James Version that I literally have to look up in the English dictionary because I don't, we don't even use those words anymore. And they don't readily give me a picture of what God is trying to say. You know, it's 2015. If I say LOL, what am I saying? Laugh out loud. You knew that, right? Because it's something that's common in 2015. Now, I will say, I think it was probably about 2009 when my husband was told by my daughter that LOL was not lots of love. We, we originally thought that's what it meant, but it's not. It's laugh out loud. And then I think back to this, this uh, time in 1993 when someone gave me their email address. I didn't even know what an email address was, but I didn't want to look ignorant. So since it had the word address in it, I went ahead and handed them my address book and said, with a pen, you go ahead and write that down here. And it wasn't until 1997 that I had my own email address. You know, things change. Words that are common now were not common just 20 years ago. And so the meaning of the words originally written in God's word They do not change, but the common word used in a translation will change. And that's a really long rant kind of leading up to this idea. Please, please, please choose a translation of God's word that is easy to read in language common to us in 2015. There is no jewel in your crown in heaven for slogging through the King's English version from the 1600s. There really isn't. Now, I often, just to tell you what I often read from, I often read from a thought-for-thought version of the Bible called the New Living Translation, or another one that's common that I like is the New International Version. And I often study from a word-for-word version of the Bible called the English Standard Version, or I also use the New American Standard Bible as well. So when immersing myself, though, in Scripture, and I try to read from a variety of angles, I'll tell you, read it, read it again, read it in different versions. So when I do that... One of my favorite translations came out in 2012, and it's actually accessible for free on BibleGateway.com. It's called The Voice, and it's a hybrid of a word-for-word and a thought-for-thought. And interestingly enough, uh, it had scholars, of course, on its translation team, as well as musicians and poets and other artists. So that's an interesting kind of viewpoint for what we do here on this podcast. And then finally, to add yet another fresh perspective to what I'm reading or meditating on, I will often incorporate the message, which is a paraphrase version. Now, my, my friend Keith Farron has a podcast and kind of a companion blog post where he breaks down different versions. I'll go ahead and link to that in the show notes. It might be of value to you if you've never really considered all of this. But I want to go back to my original point, and that is if you want to run toward the heart of God, you need to run to his word. And if that has been hard for you in the past, try a new version. Try some of the Bible interaction tools I teach on this podcast. You know, pray before you read and ask God for wisdom in what you're reading. Now, remember how I said that God promised that he would give us wisdom if we would just ask? Well, I believe he provides that wisdom through many avenues. I do. But one in particular is his word. And you can't tell him that that's not the avenue that you want to receive his wisdom from. I'm sorry, God. I would like you to uh, give me your wisdom in an audible voice from heaven. And he's trying to say to us, I have. It's called the Bible. You don't have the right to define how he's going to give his wisdom to you. In the verse, he promises that he'll give it. And it calls him generous. He has generously given us his word. And it's time for us to pick it up and eat it. What do you mean eat it? Well, in the Old Testament, when God provided manna for the Israelites to eat after he had rescued them from slavery, it was manna. It wasn't an IV. where He didn't just like magically nourish them through their, you know, pores. They had to gather the manna. They had to crush it and make it into cakes. The provision was there, but they still had to do the work to get nourishment from it. And so you've heard that saying, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus said that. Jesus said that to Satan when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. But did you know that it came from Deuteronomy? And here's what it says there. Deuteronomy 8, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that the people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Manna was nourishment, but it was also a metaphor. So you may just have to pick up the word of God and work to get something out of it. If you don't do this on a regular basis, there really is no excuse. Use the tools at your disposal and start. If you are in the word... And it has become boring and distasteful. I want to warn you, beware. When the Israelites complained about the manna, God sent in the quail so much that they choked on it. So... Either way, let's, let's ask God. Let's ask God for his wisdom. Ask God for this passion. You can ask him, give me an unreasonable desire for your word. Because I believe it's a reflection of your heart. And I want to run toward your heart, God. I want to run toward your word. Having said that and and really wanting to give you a place to start somewhere this week, I'm consistently led this week as I prayed through and con- pondered the song. I kept being led to Psalm 119 with some of the references in the lyrics of the song. And Psalm 119 is... Uh, one of about of a dozen acrostic poems in the Bible, the alphabetic acrostic poems. You know, we talked about several in the book of Lamentations in episode 53. So basically it's 176 verses, it is a long one, are divided into 22 stanzas. And one stanza for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and then within each stanza, each of the eight verses begins with that letter. It'd be like starting a psalm, eight-line poem with the letter A, and then each line in the poem begins with the letter A, and then B, and then C, and so forth. So I read some of the writings of the great Charles Spurgeon, and Charles Spurgeon was was a celebrated pastor and teacher in the 1800s. And I want to read some of what he said about this psalm in his writings entitled "The Treasure of David." I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes so you can read it, the entry for yourself. But I just uh, his his words were so poetic as he described this psalm. I really wanted to share it with you today. He says it is the longest psalm, and this is a sufficiently distinctive name for it because it's not only long; it equally excels in breadth of thought depth of meaning and height of fervor. It is like the celestial city which lies four square and the height and the breadth of it are equal. Many superficial readers have imagined that it harps upon one string and abounds in pious repetitions and redundancies. But this arises from the shallowness of the reader's own mind. Those who have studied this divine hymn and carefully noted each line of it, are amazed at the variety and profundity of the thought. Using only a few words, the writer has produced permutations and combinations of meaning which display his holy familiarity with his subject and the sanctified ingenuity of his mind. He never repeats himself, for if the same sentiment recurs, it is placed in a fresh connection and so exhibits another interesting shade of meaning." The more one studies it, the fresher it becomes. As those who drink the Nile water like it better every time they take a draft, so does this psalm become the more full and fascinating the oftener you turn to it. It contains no idle word. The grapes of this cluster are almost bursting full with the new wine of the kingdom. The more you look into this mirror of a gracious heart, the more you will see in it. Placid on the surface is the sea of glass before the eternal throne, and it yet contains within its depths an ocean of fire, and those who devoutly gaze into it shall not only see the brightness, but feel the glow of the sacred flame. It is loaded with holy sense and is as weighty as it is bulky. Again and again have we cried while studying it, "Oh, the depths! Yet these depths are hidden beneath an apparent simplicity, as Augustine has well said when studying it this makes the exposition all the more difficult its obscurity is hidden beneath a veil of light and hence only those discover it who are in thorough earnest not only to look on the word but like the angels to look into it psalm 119 is a psalm about god's heart it's about his word And as Spurgeon said, the psalmist doesn't repeat himself. And so his word is referenced by terms translated into English. Like when you read it, you'll see things like words. uh, You'll see rules, instructions, manner, way, commandments, ordinance. But make no mistake. These are all references to the word of God, to the very heart of God. And I want to run into it. And I am desperate for you to long to run into it. After hearing what Charles Spurgeon says about it, aren't you kind of excited to jump in? I mean, I read that and I thought, and I had been reading Psalm 119 all week and I just thought, oh, I can't wait to read it again. It just seems so exciting and so fresh the way that he described it to us. So I'll give you a sneak peek as it relates to the lyrics of our song. But there is so much more to explore on your own this week. So when our song talks about running toward the heart of God, the psalmist in verse 32 talks about running in the way of God's commandments. Remember I said it's God's word, but the words that the psalmist use will be things like ordinances and commandments and rules and things like that. So when our song talks about longing for your ways, in verse 20, the psalmist cries out, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. And in verse 131, he says, I pant with expectation, longing for your commands. But what about when our song says this? Lord, let me burn for you again. Let me return to you again. And Lord, Day cries with the lyrics, Let me return to you again. The psalmist declares, I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. Perhaps you're at a juncture in your life where you need to ponder the direction of it. You know, give yourself some time to quietly actually ponder, and then you may choose the way of the psalmist and turn to follow the word of God. That's my prayer for you. But what about this idea of being a soul on fire? It's a powerful picture, isn't it? I mean, it brings to mind a passion that can sometimes get a little out of control. It certainly isn't unbiblical in concept, but is it really in the Bible? That was my question as I went on a, on the hunt this week. And I found that it really is. And it comes from our dear lamenting prophet that we that we studied in episode 53, our, the prophet Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah chapter 20 Jeremiah had just come from doing his job as a prophet and was warning Israel. He was basically saying things they did not want to hear, warning of their impending destruction and captivity. His message was not popular. And in this section of scripture, a priest in the temple heard him and had him arrested. He had him whipped and put in stocks in a public square. And so upon his release, Jeremiah launches into a major wine fest with the Lord. And I don't blame him, but he did. He lodges his complaints against God. And I I sort of envision him talking out loud to himself because this is kind of how I sound when I try to talk out loud. When I'm trying to talk through frustrating and painful circumstances, I kind of am like, well, on the one hand, it's this. And then on the other hand, and I, uh, I, I seem to contradict myself even in the midst of my conversation with myself. And that's kind of what you see here in Jeremiah 20. He says, oh, Lord, you misled me and I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am and you overpowered me. Now I'm mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But, what if, but if I say, I'm never going to mention the Lord or speak in his name. His words burn in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in, and I can't do it. I love it. Although, I do not want to relive Jeremiah's mockery or his shame or his pain. I want the word of God to so consume me from the inside out that it burns in my heart like a fire, like a fire in my bones, so much so that I cannot hold the word of God in, even if I tried. So what's next? Well, read Psalm 119. And again, warning, it's 176 verses. It's like 22 psalms in one. But it's time to do the work. It really is. If you want to run to the heart of God, you must start with his word. And what better psalm to start with than one about being passionate about his word? So read it in different v- versions. Get that Version app I've talked about. And then you can play the psalm out loud in different versions while you're getting ready in the morning, on your morning and afternoon drive, before you settle in for the night. I want you to decide today what you're going to exchange in your day to get this done. You know, maybe it's your time on social media. Good trade, by the way. Maybe it's actually the music that you love to listen to. So, this week, you know, spending less time listening to the radio and uh, and more time in the Word. Give God the fruit, first fruits of your day. Ask Him for wisdom. He's given the provision generously. He will be faithful to help you understand it. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me directly at Michelle at com, like Eric and Mike did this week. Boy, were they an encouragement to me. You can hop on Twitter or Facebook, and we can just talk about what you're learning. Or you can leave a comment on this week's show notes, michellekneesat.com forward slash 55. Just a few quick announcements before we leave. My daughter Meredith has a podcast called More Than a Name. She is seven years old, and her contention is that if we uh, get to know his name, then we get to know him. And she is on iTunes, so you can look it up by More Than a Name or by Meredith Nizat. I encourage you to check it out and share it with your friends who have little people. And I want to personally thank you for listening to my podcast with a gift. I don't want you to have any excuses for not having God's word front and center. And so if you log on to my website at michellekneezat.com and subscribe with your name and email address, then I will email you memory verse resources each week to display on your smartphone, your tablet, your desktop, or you can print it out and place it in the best location for you. It's just a small token of my thanks and hopefully a useful tool for you. And I want to shout out to Stephanie from California, Balaji from Washington, D.C., and Alice from Louisiana. Oh, who am I joking? Alice is my mom. Thanks for subscribing, Mom. And uh, these are my newest subscribers to my website, so welcome. And don't miss an episode of my podcast by subscribing in iTunes. While you're there, can you please leave me a written review and a star rating? It encourages me, but most of all, it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use Carrie Roberts' song, No Matter What, to inspire us to pick up our Bible and explore. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to com forward slash 55. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time... Take time to meditate on God's Word and consider His ways.